All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this Friday's Local Marketing Institute Q&A Live. Joined by myself, Ben Fisher of Steady Demand. You can reach me on Twitter at the Social Dude, and we have our my illustrious co-host Greg Gifford with Search Lab Digital, and you can reach him on Twitter at Greg Gifford. And so, we are actually up to now. I think to like almost uh, two. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, around two thousand or four thousand or something like that. I need to do a new <laughs> screen capture for this slide. Yeah, you do, you do, because I just don't remember. Uh, So the Local Marketing Institute Connect, this is Facebook. You can join us here where we will discuss everything and answer all your questions that you have about Google Business Profiles or local marketing. So just come on there, a lot of smart people. And lastly, if you're on the go and you want to take us in your pocket, download the podcast. Uh, It's on Apple, Spotify, RR Radio, Google, iTunes. It's pretty much everywhere. So, um, and I think we're still number one in foreign countries. So anyway, go ahead and download that. Check us out. We're here for you. And with that, we are now in the mix. So. And uh, Trisha just popped over and said, chat's not working. Son of a B-U-X. Hold on, Trisha. Thank you. Ben's having some internet issues today, so we want to preface by, I'll be here and keep going, but Ben might drop out, Ben might pause. We're probably going to turn Ben's video off to take a little less bandwidth from him. Probably, yes. But we might be kind of being a little wonky today, so just uh, bear with us. All right, here we go. Okay, thank you, Trisha. You are an awesome Coco co-hosts. Ah, there everybody goes. Okay, excellent. All right. So, yeah, Techie Friday. Whoop-dee-doo. Awesome. Uh, Okay. So, (laughs) and another thing is, is that we're a little bit light on questions today. So, our question for everybody else is, do you have questions? If so, you can get them all answered today. So, go hop into the Q&A. We're already seeing a couple questions coming in there. Let's keep them coming and we will answer any question you have. I don't care. The question could be, is the sky blue? And the answer is yes. We will still answer those questions. So make sure you pepper Greg with questions. All right. Given that, let's get hopping straight into it. Um, We got some news. Let's cover the news. Yes, exactly. All right. So let me go over. Again, we've got like all sorts of fun stuff going on today. All right, news. So the first thing is, is that, um, uh, as we all know, COVID has been around for a long time. And because Google does make decisions based on trends, the trends for COVID-19 searches has gone down worldwide. And therefore, the COVID-19 attributes for Google business profiles are gone as well. So just one thing you don't have to worry about anymore is their health and safety attributes, basically, inside of Google business profiles. The next piece of news is that um, it's been made very clear by Google that on Google Business Profiles, you cannot incentivize review removal. So sorry, you're not going to be able to pay five bucks for somebody to go ahead and remove that review. It is against the, uh, the guidelines. And if you are caught, you, of course, risk having all of your reviews looked at and or removed. The next news piece we have is about the wonderful service area best businesses issue. For those of you who aren't familiar with what this issue is, basically what is happening is is that um, there was a bug last year which had to do with uh, basically how Google was filtering out service area based businesses and and also displaying them and would sometimes show them in the middle of the country. And there was another related issue with that too, which was basically it couldn't find the center of a service area based business or service area very easily. Anyway, the new issue is is basically that second one, which is going back where it's actually the problem with the centroid. So what'll happen is, is around, I think it was the seventh or eighth, uh, is businesses started complaining on the local search forum that nobody could find their business. And it was literally there the next one night, gone the next morning. And we confirmed with Google in our live chats that uh, this was absolutely an issue. They are addressing it. They've given a timeline of around three to six weeks 
So if you are suffering from this, just know they do know about it. They are working about it. Hopefully it will not take six months like it took them one time to do things. Uh, this before with the Kansas bug, actually. And with that, Greg, my friend, we have a question for you. Yes. Ooh, I'm up first in the hot seat. You are up first. And this one is coming from Wendy Moon. So Wendy's asking, I'm noticing that more and more my service area-based business clients are bumped down in the organic rankings and replaced by lists from Yelp, Angie, etc. Is there anything that we can do to combat this? Uh, yeah, it's a fairly simple answer. You kind of can't. Uh, so do some good Barnacle SEO. For those of you that haven't been around long enough to have heard about Barnacle SEO, Will Scott coined it. What is it? At this point, probably 12, 13 years ago. And it's yeah. basically saying you don't have the power to outrank Angie's List, Yelp, TripAdvisor, things like that. So instead, optimize the heck out of your profile on those sites so that if those sites are going to show up, you're going to show up and have more visibility within that site in that local area. So that's definitely what you want to do when you see those sites showing up higher or you know the first two or three on the page are there. Go in, make sure you're incredibly, incredibly vigilant with optimization on those sites. But also look at your own site, make sure you're optimizing as well because those lists sites or aggregator sites won't show up in the map pack or in the local finder or in maps. That's where you can win. But you can also still show up organically just below those because there are a lot of people out there that will skip the Angie's list, the trips advisors and things like that. And if the first four are aggregate sites, they're just going to get skipped over. So yeah, sure. You're not number one, maybe you're number five, but effectively you're number one for all the people that are going to skip those sites. So solid local SEO and barnacle SEO are definitely the way you'd want to go on those. Exactly. Anything to add to that, my friend? No, no, no. You pretty much got it. You just you, you covered it, buddy. All Good right. Job. So the next one is for you from All Lindy. Right. About GBP category and service organization. And the question is. Yes. I manage a Google business profile for a law firm. Under services, I have our main categories, such as personal injury attorney, family law attorney, etc. I keep getting automatic updates where a ton of family law services, for example, are added under personal injury attorney instead of under the correct category. Is it getting rather, or it is getting rather time consuming to keep moving all these services? Does it matter what category these are displayed under? As long as we provide them, should I just leave them as is instead of fighting this seemingly losing battle of attempting to keep it organized correctly? So I'm gonna say it's kind of like Pampers. And uh, it depends. Oh, it's the, oh, 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 I'm, yeah. there we go. Ah, it depends. Exactly, exactly. So here's why it depends, because this is going to come down to actually a little bit of personal preference and a little bit about what do you care displays. Okay. First of all, why are you having this issue? Wendy, the reason you're having this issue more than likely is because of the structure of your website. So Google's automatically pulling these in. They're usually coming in as orange. Well, some people see it as red, but they're coming in as orange. And that basically means that Google is updating your profile with information it is finding on your website. So if it is miscategorizing family into PI, start taking a look at the, the organization and the structure of your menus. So that's tip number one. Tip number two, doesn't matter. The short answer is, is maybe... So when they show up as snippets, right, underneath of, or justifications actually is what they're called, under your listing, and somebody has searched for, you know, um, oh, I don't know, uh, they've searched for car auto accident lawyer, right? And it says, you know, this company provides auto accident lawyer services. It's only going to show that justification of that service. It's not going to show the top level category. So in that instance, it actually doesn't matter, right? You are correct on that. However, where it does matter is if somebody is on mobile 
sometimes desktop, because now they're showing on desktop every once in a while as an experiment, and they look at your services area, it's going to be out of whack. For me as a user, if I'm looking at family law and I see PI stuff, I'm going to be like, uh, yeah, I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm moving on. So um, we don't have any numbers on that. So we don't know what percentage of people do this. Um, but there can be that confusion. So you need to think about your users. I would absolutely take a look at the GBP performance data and look at your split between desktop and mobile. If people are searching for you more on desktop, don't worry about it. If they're searching more for you on mobile, worry about it. If it's an even split, it's up to you. What do you got, Greg? What do you think, bud? Kind of going back to what you said at the beginning, where it pulls out of what's on the website. Google's getting confused in your Google business profile because people are going to get confused on your website. We do a lot of work with attorneys, and it is very rare that you have an attorney that does personal injury and family law. Those are two pretty separate areas of practice. So it's going to confuse Google because it'll also confuse people. Because if I'm looking for a a divorce attorney, not that I am, like, don't think that I am. But if I was, and I landed on a website that had a lot of information about personal injury stuff, I would think, oh, that's what they really concentrate on. They don't really do divorce stuff. And I need a really aggressive divorce attorney to take care of me. So I'm not going to use this guy. On the flip side, let's say I was in an accident and I need a personal injury attorney and I'm on the website and I see there's a lot of divorce and child custody law and all this stuff. I would for sure not hire that personal injury attorney because I want a guy that concentrates on personal injury and knows it in and out and is more likely to get me the settlement I want. So it could be more of a situation of just looking at the website and what the attorney does and saying, hey, look, guys, this doesn't really make sense to have these two kind of separate areas together on the site. Maybe you split them into two different websites and potentially you could do some things with offices and get a different office for the family side from the personal injury side so that you don't have the issue. That's a whole lot more work and a lot more other things to consider. But keep in mind, part of the reason Google's getting confused is probably because the site's a little confusing to have those things on there altogether. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it might even be worth it to explore maybe setting out a separate brand. That's a possibility. It's a little bit more complicated to do such a thing, or maybe even a separate website. And then, you know, if you do a separate brand, then you can kind of double dip and have two GPPs. So that's kind of cool too. Yep. Um, but yeah, you never want to confuse Google, obviously. And, uh, you know, just to, to Greg's point, if Google is confused, your rankings are going to suffer, period. It's not just your GBP, it's not just these services. Google's confused as an entity. And so that's a, that's a problem in itself. Perfect example of this. We've got an attorney client in Las Vegas that does immigration and criminal stuff and personal injury stuff. And he had one website with all that stuff on it. And we said, look, just Vegas is insanely competitive for personal injury. You're going to need a website that is just for personal injury so we can optimize the heck out of it. Everything is about it. And you need two separate GBPs because he literally had three different offices in town, but only had a GBP set up for the main office. I did air quotes, everybody that's listening only. Uh, so <laughs> we split that up into two websites and to two, uh, it was actually two GMBs because we did it before the switch to GBP, but effectively two business profiles, two websites, and he is performing so much better for lead volume and case volume on both sides now that it's split up and visibility is a lot better. Traffic is way up. So it does make sense to split things up. It would definitely be worth a chat if this attorney is doing a lot of different things. Yep, I completely agree. Next question is for you. All right. Um, Paul. Before you ask the question, I want to ask the group. So we've got a good amount of Q&A coming in. Thank you, everybody. Keep it coming. We need to double the number. All right, let's go, Greg. Oh, wait. Steven said in the chat, sorry, it's not in the QA, but it's about what you're talking about, Greg, two companies. I'm not sure what you mean by that, Steven. So if you want to pop a quick thing into chat right now, type really fast before we move on. I know, what he's, I know what he's talking about. I know what he's talking about. So basically, Stephen, um, when you have two GPPs, right, they have to be two distinct entities, 
meaning they have to be two separate LLPs, two separate LLCs, two separate sole uh, DBAs, things like that. So in other words, if you're going to have, you know, Steve Asman's personal injury attorney as one GBP or one business entity, and you have Steve Asman family law attorney, okay, as a separate company, LLC, books, utilities, et cetera, licenses, that's what we mean is secondary, basically having a secondary law firm. Um, that's a possible way to do it. Again, you need to talk to your, I don't know, attorneys and tax people and all that because we're not lawyers. Um, I've seen our clients do that and do it very successfully. Some of them just do it with a DBA and get away with it. That can happen too. Um, but, you know, it's having separate offices and such at the same place, by the way. And um, we didn't, we didn't cheat the offices either. He literally had three separate buildings not full buildings, but three different offices in three very different addresses yeah. in Vegas. And it literally was that for one office, you went to one type of, you know, for, for the criminal stuff, you went to one office and for the personal injury stuff, you went to another office. So it wasn't like we even had to creatively do things with the Google business profile or the website. It made perfect sense to the potential clients you would work with because you went to one office for one thing and another for another Yep. I have it all on one website and one GBP. It just didn't make sense. Yeah, I've had I've seen that too, actually. It's a really, really good technique. Works very well. So the next one, speaking of multiple GBPs, is a question from Paul. And this one's who says, for you, buddy. Paul. Hold on. Hold wait, on this is one. mine. I'm sorry. Whoa. Ah! <laughs> when we get out of order here, we one of are, OC, OCD just kind of kicks in. I'm just saying. Yep. So, all right. So this question is from Paul Lampland and it's for you, Greg. All right. So I know this has been covered, but can you define how to create a GBP for stylists at a single salon with the GBP listing? Super easy. You create that GBP listing. It's got to be a different phone number. So it's going to be the stylist's individual phone number and it's a practitioner listing. So you set up that listing for the stylist at the Ben Fisher salon of hair, but it's the Greg Gifford stylist at the Ben Fisher salon of hair. Yep. And, and and that's how you do it. It's actually really easy to do. Exactly. And and you don't necessarily even have to set it up as practitioner, right? So, I mean, practitioner is the way to go, by the way. Um, but they introduced, Google introduced this about, I think it was like, gosh, going on three years ago or something, where they said stylists can do this, like tattoo artists can do this now too, by the way, just yep. saying, Greg, you should tell your tattoo artist. Oh, yeah, I already have. Okay. So, um, so basically, the rule, though, that stands here and that people miss the most is that you do have to have your license, your licensed hairstylist. So you do have to have that. It has to be uh, shown on the wall near your chair. Um, and then you're totally fine. And so if you do get suspended, then you just go have to go ahead and show that license, basically. Boom. Okay. All right. Next, uh, Next one's for right. you. Yes. And it is from Danielle, and it is about geofencing. Oh, love geofencing. And Danielle asks if you can elaborate a little more on this. Is it beneficial? How okay. does Danielle go about starting this? So I guess we should start out by explaining a little bit about what geofencing is in the first place. Geofencing is a very, really neat way of basically um, drawing a line say, around a building. Let's say, for example, that you are uh, an HVAC company and you want to find um, you want to find people that you can advertise to that will become HVAC techs for your company, right? Very hard to find HVAC techs. So maybe there's a trade show going on where HVAC techs get together in your local area. So what you could do is you could geofence the conference center at that time when the conference is going on. So they would draw a line around the conference center. And what it'll do is it'll capture all the IDs of all the mobile devices in that area during that time period. Now, so it collects that data, 
And then what it'll do, you can do is now you can go ahead and you can target those audience with Google AdWords. You can target them with their own advertising from the geofencing companies, and you can target them with Facebook ads. All of this to just basically shove ads down the throats of people who have never heard about you before. Unfortunately, it works. These things cost about five cents per user. Cheap advertising is what it is. So, um, so yeah, that's basically what it is. That's how it works. It's extremely effective. Me personally, I don't like it. I think it's a little bit intrusive from a privacy standpoint, um, but that's me personally. So Greg, what do you think? I think it's awesome. I think if you do it well and understanding that it is fairly intrusive because they don't know anything about you and they've not been to your site, if you do it the right way, it can be very successful. If you do it in a creepy way, it's going to hurt you more than it helps you. But doing it the right way, it can be really successful. So it's awesome. But, you know, you got to it's, it's one of those things of, yeah, you can do this cool stuff over here, but do all the basics first. Don't don't jump right in and try to do that. And nothing else. So wait a minute. So if I'm a Ford dealer, I'm on Test Drive Avenue. And I geofence Nissan, which is like, you know, two blocks away. And I geofence that for like a month. And then I put an ad that says, hey, Greg, I saw you were at the Nissan. Did you buy a vehicle yet? So Come I have over a couple of cool stories here. I got a couple of cool stories I can share about geofencing since okay. we've got some time today. Uh, number one, there was a car dealer. Uh, this was probably six or seven years ago that wanted to test out Conquest geofencing conquest meaning you're trying to steal business away from your competitors so he had a tire special that was if you buy three tires we'll give you the fourth tire for free that did not exist anywhere online you could not find this special online or in print the only place it existed was in a facebook ad and he did this facebook ad geofenced specifically to a one mile radius around five competitors in town so the only now that didn't mean you had to be at the dealership because you could be within a mile radius because that was the narrowest you could go. But realistically, what's going to happen if you're there at a dealership and you've got problems and you've got a flat while you're waiting for them to service your car, you're playing around on your phone and you get on Facebook and you see this ad that says, hey, this dealership over here is giving you if you need tires, buy three, get one free. That's a better deal than you're getting where you're sitting. And the guy in the space of a month sold like six or seven sets of tires. (laughs) So that proves that those people saw it and they asked. And every single one of those people were sitting in another dealership when they saw the ad, but came to him to get the tires. So that's, that was six or seven years ago. Maybe it wouldn't work as well today. Who knows? But that proved that it works. Um, Another one, we actually had an automotive client in Seattle that was, uh, doing some stuff creatively with geofencing the football stadium there, knowing that let's say the game is, you know, at 12 o'clock, they geofence from 11 to four and run ads just in a one mile radius around the football stadium and advertise on Facebook, because what are people doing? What are the board spouses doing that aren't really into the game? Or what do people do between every quarter and during halftime? They pull out their phone and they look at their phone and they're going to get on Facebook. And then you've got ads showing up saying, hey, we've either got a special at the game and you could go do this. Uh, We had another dealership in Seattle that we did the same thing with. And it was a Lamborghini dealership and they ran targeted ads at the game because there are a lot of Amazon and Microsoft employees up there with a lot of disposable income. But their ads were very creative. We basically ran these ads geofenced around the stadium, but the ad copy was targeting the opposing team. So basically the ad copy was, are you bummed out because you're getting your butts kicked by the Seahawks? Come buy a, a Lamborghini and or maybe it was a Ferrari. I don't remember. It was one of those super badass cars, but like effectively, hey, are you bummed because you're getting beat by the Seahawks? Buy a Ferrari and drive home happier. Buy a Lamborghini and drive home happier. <laughs> and like, are they really expecting the other team to do that? No, but it was a clever ad. And they got a whole lot of phone calls from people that thought it was a cool ad. And they sold some cars off of people that saw that ad that were just oh, in the crowd. Yeah. So I'm there's done. some really sure. cool stuff you can do with it. Um, 
you could also go on the really creepy side. I'm not going to talk about that here, but I've heard some stories and seen some strategies from some personal injury attorneys that were really creepy with it, but it worked. So yeah, it's uh-huh. awesome. It can be amazing. Yeah. Creepy and PI? Never. Yeah. Come on. Really? Jeez. No, 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 no. And that's great. I mean, and actually, you know, I'm really glad that the question was even brought up about geofencing because it is really cool. It's creepy. It's cool. And you know what? At the end of the day, it works. So, you know, hey, Danielle, thanks for the question. And uh, we have a a couple of people who have asked, how do you set up geofencing? Well, there is this website you can go to, and it is called Google, G-O-O-G-L-E dot com. And if you go there, it says search for anything, and you can type in geofencing company, and I'm sure they will be happy to talk to you about how to set it up. Or if you've got a partner that already handles your paid search, super easy to have your partner just do it. Yep. Or if you're handling your own paid search, super easy to look online. There's lots of tutorials. You could do it directly inside of Facebook and Instagram and well, not Facebook, Instagram, same thing, but uh, Snapchat has a really easy way to do it. You can do it inside of Google as well. So it's, it's really easy to do. Yeah. You just, uh, you just basically, uh, it's, uh, it's google.com max. Um, seriously, <laughs> go to Google and just search for a geofencing company. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So basically, <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't work on that being too direct uh, <laughs> and, and just like that super dry humor. It's like, so what you need to do is you just need to really go out and take a deep, fresh breath of fresh air and you'll be fine all right so anyway uh, <laughs> all right so we have another question and this one's for you greg okay okay all right so the subject and this is coming from alan so alan's asking about local ex, uh, efforts for experiential marketing okay sounds fancy it does all right so Long-time listener and fan. Hey, what's up, Helen? First-time question. All right. Twofold. Ooh, we love these. All right. <clears throat> question number one. What would be the best categories for a company with experiential production as its mainstay? This is, a, and thank you for explaining this, by the way, because we were like, what? Yeah. Uh, this is a building exhibition, stands, promotional vehicles, and brand activations Currently set up as event management. Can't find anything uh, other. I'd say summarizes the sector very well, and I'm going to have to agree. But uh, the second part of the question. Let's let's do the first part first. Sure, why not? Go for it. So the first part probably is right. Event management is probably your closest thing, but I have never had clients in experiential production before, so I don't know what other categories may apply. But man, my default is to always go to that interactive list that Plepper Tools has because it's a really cool list. For those of you that haven't seen it before. um, While Greg's looking that up, I'll also say this. It's it's like you you can just go ahead and you can search for your competition too, right? You know who your competition is. So, and Plepper also has a good tool for this. But for looking at the categories, basically when you do a search, so um, you can do that too. Look at your competitors. What are they using? Dropping it into chat right now. The cool thing is with this uh, Plepper tool list, once you put a category in, it shows you the other categories that are most often selected along with that category. And it shows you a percentage of how often those are selected. So it's a great way to find other categories that work for something that you may not have, because there's no list. So unless you want to go find like Joy's got a list, Plepper's actually got a list too. go browse through a list of all the categories isn't helpful, but it used the interactive helper makes it a lot easier. So that's the answer to question number one. Question Question part two, two. let's do that. All right. So part two, the new client is convinced that surviving on LinkedIn inquiries and marketing agencies is a sustainable model and that local businesses don't necessarily work for this sector as the clientele base is national and international. I want to quest to prove them wrong and demonstrate the abilities and properly executed campaign. So, so um, 
I like that Alan wants to try to prove them wrong. And I hate to poo poo all over Alan's part two question since he's a fan and it's his first question. But honestly, Alan, they're right. I mean, not necessarily about the LinkedIn side, but it's not really a local business. You can set up a, a GBP forum and you can do some local SEO for people in the area. It might be a little more successful if they're actually located in a large convention location like Vegas or Dallas or Chicago. But if they're not, which most of these companies probably aren't, local SEO is not your play. You want to do regular SEO because you're not trying to show up just there. You're trying to show up across the country because you're going to service people that go to conventions or expos all over the place. So local SEO really isn't the play on this one. That being said, and I agree, um, is national, international, sorry, locally couldn't do it for you. However, well, I think what you can do is you can tell them that, you know, what you learned today about geofencing. Geofencing would probably work really freaking fantastic for these yeah, guys. Yeah, this would be a great use case. You know, just go ahead and freaking geofence every conference center in, in Vegas, just alone in Vegas, you know, and harvest that data and then advertise to those people. You know, uh, basically go where your customers are. So that's what yep, I recommend. Yep, yep. And then the next question is for you. Okay, go for and it. This one's from Stephen, who we know is here. Hello, Stephen. Yes. already. So, uh, and this is actually an old question. This isn't even jumping into the live questions yet. So uh, Stephen said, hi, do you know if the issue of the missing Google reviews has been resolved? Is the short link URL to request reviews safe to use, or is it better to use a long URL with the place ID? So, Stephen, unfortunately, the review issue is here to stay. Um, they have not discovered whether the link is causing the issue. I still think it is. So I would go ahead and use the longer, safer version, which is the place ID, um, or be really safe and just say, go ahead and um, have them search for the actual business name. If it's a generic name, business name plus zip code, that's the super duper safe way to do it. But unfortunately, issues with missing reviews still exists. Um, and if you're having problems with that, of course, you can always come to the community and we can see if we can try and find them for you. Boom. That's it. <laughs> um, let's see. We could, I mean, we're at 1230. We could switch over to the Q&A. We got a whole bunch over there. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. Well, the everybody first thinking. one is, okay, wait, that was you or me. So the first one would be to me then, right? Yes. The first, confused. the first one is, you know, FYI, chat is disabled. So, <laughs> Trisha, that's not a question. Stop putting that stuff in Q and A. You get a. Trisha gets this. All right. So, first question is from Trisha, though. Any oh, news way on to the dominate the Q and A, Trisha? Come on. <laughs> yeah. So any news on the Kansas 2 bug? Okay, so it's not a Kansas bug, by the way. I know Google acknowledged it and they're working on it, but it's really frustrating when the profile has been hit. Uh, there's no name for this bug. So I guess if you want to call it Kansas 2, that's fine. It's not consistently ranking Kansas, though. So you can't debug it that way. Um, I think I talked about this earlier in the show at the beginning, and that is that they are working on it. Current horizon is three to six weeks. Yep. And right. don't even hold them to that. Yes, already answered. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's see. Next one is for you, my friend. Samantha Hartwell asks, not sure if I asked, but I'm suddenly getting errors uploading photos to GBP. You and everybody else, Samantha. Uh, so it's basically a problem that the spam detection for the images there is overly aggressive. Uh, a lot of times, uh, there's a couple different things that could happen. It could be misdetecting something that is not allowed, like not knowing what kind of business you are, who knows, but I've been helping a lot of spas on the forum that are incorrectly being detected for having nudity in the photos because it's a photo of somebody getting a massage. Uh, potentially too, you can have it kind of lock you down. If you've had too many violations in the past, you're just going to not be able to do anything. 
even though those may have not been real violations. It could also be that there's something in the image that's not supposed to be there. It could be that you're using a stock image. It could, there's actually a, a big problem with Google thinking that it is a duplicate post because it's an image that you've used in a post in the past too recently. That's most likely what it is if you're not in violation of any of the other things. You've probably used the same image recently. And we talked about this, Ben, and I forget what you said last time we talked about this, that you guys had an internal guideline of what, two or three months before you used an image? Three months. Again? Yeah. Yeah. Three months. Our, our system automatically looks at the images and says, nope, this image matches that image and we won't use it. So, Samantha, maybe it's that. Maybe you've used that same image too recently. Uh, who knows? Uh, you can always go to the forum uh, and share the post that you tried to put up that got denied. Share the full image and the content of the post, and one of the product experts can chime in and say, oh, yeah, it's definitely because of this. Or if you can share multiple posts, they might be able to see a trend. But, you know, as yeah. always... Whenever you got weird stuff like this going on, go to the forum and get your help there. I will say one last thing, and that is Samantha. So here's the other acid test. And that is, is that that profile could be content blocked for some reason. Okay. The way uh, without knowing what the error is, basically. So if you're uploading it, it's just not sticking. It's not sticking, not sticking. Try it on another profile. If it sticks, the profile is actually in violation and has had a block put on it. And unfortunately, there is no way to lift it realistically. So we've had people try to come through the forums or the community and get it lifted, and they usually will not lift it. However, the good news is that will expire after a period of time. So if that is indeed the issue, then just stop posting photos for like three to six months. I know it sucks, but it is what it is. Okay, so that answers this one. The next one for you is from our buddy Max, who okay. shows up every week and who I'm actually doing a co-presentation with in Vegas in two weeks. That is right. Yes. So Max said previously before the update on mobile, he could add text to an image. Is, uh, is there any way to do this now in the new format? So I'm assuming he means in the uh, in search editing experience, uh, adding text to an image. No, I think if I remember, actually, I remember this question from a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was probably a test, and it's not something that's nowhere close to ruled out. So I think that you're just lucky to be able to do it before, and that uh, currently, right now, if you can't do it, then the answer is probably going to be no for right now. All right. So, Boom. sorry, Max. Uh, Jeff has a question for you, uh, Jeffrey. All right. So, is video verification now the number one video verification method for new listings, or is it just an experiment? Uh, <laughs> eh. I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say on this because we're under NDA for some of this stuff. Um. I, I give you it's tough. I don't know what we're allowed to say here. Uh, would you like me to would you like me to walk the tightrope? Walk the tightrope for us. Okay. All right. Walking the tightrope right now. So uh Jeffrey, the answer is basically this is that video verification has been rolled out primarily for duress categories, meaning the categories like personal injury, locksmith, etc. However, video verification more than likely may become a standard. And the reason basically is this, it's very difficult to fake video verification. It really is. Um, it's very easy for Google to see the area, see the tools, you know, for service area based businesses, you know, to see offices, et cetera, and then compare that to street view. So um, it's just more reliable and it's also more reliable than postcards. Now that is not stating that it is going to be the number one verification method. It's just stating that it is out there, it is more prevalent, more people are seeing it, and therefore you can probably assume that it is going to be off. Oh, oh, are you still there? You paused up for a second. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Hear plus, you. plus also, 
Jeffrey, think about it too. It probably makes more sense to try to go in that direction if Google decides to ever do it. Because look at how many people have to wait for weeks and weeks to get verified with a postcard. And then that postcard code is only valid for 30 days. So if you're in somewhere that doesn't get mail quickly, you get the code and then it doesn't work and you have to request another and then it's just a whole pain. So I I hope they do it. It makes it a lot easier for people. So yeah, same here. Same here. Boom. I'll take next Jeff's question time. is from Jeffrey again. Yes. Uh, but this one's for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We already answered this. He was asking, is there a, well, uh, maybe, no, maybe no, not. No, this is, no, yeah, this this is, is different. So his question, is there a service area bug right now? Uh, he had a couple of suspensions after service area updates. So, Jeff, if you're still here, um, what do you mean after a couple of service area updates? If you mean that you updated the service area and they got suspended, that's normal. That's actually functioning the way it is supposed to. You know, sometimes a GBP, if you breathe on it the wrong way, and I say that because actually I've seen that actually happen, where somebody just literally opened up Google Business Profile Manager, just looked at it, and like after a sigh, it was like suspended. It, it sucked. Um, so, <clears throat> so anyway, but anytime you edit anything inside of GBP, you can suffer a suspension, especially for service area-based businesses. But no, it's not a bug. It's a feature, as they like to say. Okay, so hopefully that answers your question. If you have a different error or if you did it a different way, just let us know and we will answer that question. Sheila has a question for you, Greg. So, hi, Sheila. Am I allowed to copy GBP reviews to a page titled Google Reviews on my website? Will this violate terms of service? This is a great question. It is. For a couple of reasons. Because, Sheila, I would guess... When you ask this question, you mean, can you copy the positive reviews from Google to a page on your site that says Google reviews and not <laughs> the positives and the negatives? And if you do that, that is an FTC violation that can get you fined literally hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars. The FTC has stated that if you're going to display reviews on your website, you have to display all reviews on your website, not just positive reviews. So A... Make sure you're going to do that if you're wanting to do that. But B, it has been proven by research time and time again that customers do not give a squat about a page on your site that lists reviews. Customers want to see honest, unbiased reviews on third-party websites because those are trusted. They assume that everything on your site, even if you do show the bad ones, they still assume that that testimonials page or that Google reviews page is only going to show perfect five-star reviews that say how awesome you are. So nobody's going to go there anyway. So you don't even really need to do it. But if you did do it, does it violate Google terms of service? Not really. Not. Kind of does, but you're not going to get caught for it unless somebody reports you. So are you going to get busted for it? Probably no. It's against the rules technically, but it's not like you're going to get in trouble unless a competitor reports it. But for all of the above reasons, just don't do it. Yep. So basically, uh, Greg is dead on. Is it against the terms of service? Technically, it states to pretty much don't copy them. Uh, they are actually Google's property, by the way, user-generated content on their platform. So even though they were left by another user, which is also Google's property, by the way. So um, so that's why, number one. Number two, you know, Brack, uh, Max brings up a good point, and there are third-party pieces of software out there like GatherUp, for instance, uh, like a dealerator in the auto space, which will grab all the reviews from GBP and show them in basically an iframe or through JavaScript. So that's actually the way to go to keep yourself safe. But if you're doing it for SEO purposes, ain't going to help you. If you're doing it for user purposes, again, Greg kind of said, probably not going to help you. So should you worry about it? Probably not. And every time I bring this up, I, I work with a lot of car dealers lawyers to some degree too. And every time I bring it up and they say, oh no, we get, a, these are great. I'm like, yeah, because your own internal staff uses it to show it to people, but people don't come to your website and look at that. And they say, no, no, no. Look at our Google analytics. Look at all the traffic it gets. And I'm like, all right, cool. Are you IP filtering your own traffic? No. Okay. Let's go try that. Oh, geez, as soon as you filter out all of the internal traffic from the dealership of the law firm, there's no traffic to that page over the last six months. So, yeah, nobody's going to those pages. 
Exactly. I'll take the next one from Don. Uh, so Don's question is Google still banning accounts. Don has a friend that her account was shut down and she has a pretty clean profile. All right, Don, if you're still in the audience, you need to clarify one thing. So you say banning accounts. I'm assuming that you're talking about the GBP profile, not account, because account is actually like the email that you use to manage profiles. Okay, so it is profile. That's what I thought. Okay, thank you. So, um, <laughs> yep, no, it's suspended. Understood. So, yes, Google suspends accounts all day long. Actually, usually at around 6 a.m., sometimes 2.30 p.m., and every once in a while, 5.30 p.m., Pacific Standard Time, Uh, but usually around 6.30 a.m., so just right before you wake up. It's not nice Google to give you a surprise. So, um, but yeah, Google will suspend accounts for so many different reasons. There are almost too many to talk about. Um, Everybody thinks that they have a pretty clean profile. They all, everybody says... I'm adhering to the guidelines. Well, that's probably because you haven't read the guidelines 100%. Trust me, I know because I spent a year every single weekend reading through the guidelines and memorizing them. So there's a lot of guidelines. However, there's only a really very important subset of the guidelines that actually cause suspensions. And um, more than likely, the suspension, if you feel that it is 100% clean, which again, I don't know if I would agree with because but I'm not looking at it, so I can't tell you, um, then just go ahead and go apply for a reinstatement. You'll have to wait 15 to 22 days at this point right now to hear back. But when you do hear back, they're either going to prove you, yay, muzzle tough, or they're going to escalate to a specialist, means somebody's looking at it, or they will deny you. Now, if it is storefront, make sure Yes, 15 to 22 days. It sucks. Um, we deal with hundreds of reinstatements here at State of Demand, and we have to deal with it too, kind of. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, so, yeah, divorce coach, got it. Uh, storefront or service area-based business? Might as well just debug half of this real quick. Sure, why not? We got some time. Service area-based business. Okay, showing address? No. All right, cool. Uh, when you submitted the reinstatement, did you provide any proof of business? Like business license, utility bills, things like that? Calling Don. Don't Don't know. know. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, so if it's a service area-based business, you still have to go through the same thing. You know, again, this is nothing, not banning accounts or anything like that. She's not banned, by the way. She's just suspended. That's all. So there is a redemption possibility as long as there's no big time abuse going on. Um, and there might be not, there might be nothing wrong with the profile, but there could be something wrong with the business. Usually a service area based business will not have a business license or a utility bill in their actual company name. It'll usually probably be in your friend's name, basically, you know, like that's her like cell phone bill. So that's going to be your actually big issue is the the type of information that you submit to get reinstated. Um, so you might get a denial, but now you at least know a little bit why you might get a denial. Hopefully that answers your question, Don. Um, All right. Bonnie Massey has a question for you, Greg. All right. You're welcome, Don. Uh, I'm a local well, we service. We skipped John's question, and John's question is really good. Oh, hold on, hold on. Oops. The one right above that one from Bonnie. Yep, got it. I see it. Okay. I submitted a new address to GBP. Then my client decided to keep the old and the new locations. What do I do with the unused address verification code for the new address? Oh, come on. That's an easy one. Well, my first question is, if you submitted the new address, that means your client moved to a new location? I would guess, but then the client decided to keep the old and the new. So what do you do with the unused verification code? It wouldn't be unused if they're keeping both locations, if they're legitimately allowed to have both locations, because that's another secondary location. You'd still use the verification code for the, oh, wait, okay, okay, no, no, no. no. Now I get what they're saying. They're saying we were going to move from location A to location B. So they submitted the verification code for that address move. 
but now they decided they want to keep the old location and add the new location. Yep. If I'm reading that correctly, I think that's what Don or what John is asking. So I would not go through with verifying the new address. I would start the process over with a new listing so that you did not get all of the stuff from the old profile. Cause if he, cause let's talk about this because if he did go through and put that verification in, then it would verify and move everything to the new location. And he'd have to set up a new uh, profile is... for the original. One, let me ask a question though of John real quick. So John, did you move initially? Did you move the old location to the new location? And that's why you got a postcard or did you just set up a new profile and get a postcard? Cause that's actually the, that's actually the important question to understand here. Yes, for sure. I am leaning towards, I think they were doing it as a move and not a new only John can answer this question. And he just said yes. So, John, let us know. Was it a move or was it a new location? I really do need to get that Jeopardy song on for the uh, soundboard. <laughs> move. Okay, so move. Throw it away. Yep. Don't use it. But then set up a new location oh, for the snap. new location. No, no, no. They started nope. the move process already. Oh, yeah. So what's going to reset the address? Yeah, he's going to have to change it back, which would probably trigger another postcard code. <laughs> and it causes suspension. And causes <laughs> suspension. And then potentially that could be problematic setting up the new address again on the other listing from the same account. Yeah, he changed the address on GPP. Okay, you have a decision to make. Your decision is very simple is they're going to, they've got the new one. They've got the old one. If you have signed it to the new one, assuming it's a storefront, then what you do is you enter the code, you verify it at the new address, which means you have moved old to new. That means that then you would go ahead and request a new postcard for the old address, which is now your new address in a sense. Can John, can you let us know what kind of business this is? It's exotic massage. Come on. Right. Now, seriously, uh, it's under underwater basket weaving. Sewer and water lines repair. So it's a service <laughs> service, so it's a service business. So then it's so, whoa, that, that's a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> yeah. How far apart are the two locations, John? Let's just really dig in. Like, I, I'm kind of digging this. Let's really dig in on some of these. And we fun. know the people are here, right? So how far apart are the locations uh, 15 miles, 15 miles in a rural area or in a metro. And also the two locations, do they have the same actual physical city in the address or is it two different cities in the address? There's actually one important question to ask. Are they homes? And rural are they for employee? Are they, well, are they basically are they employee and contractor homes? That's the next really important thing to answer. I need to get it. If we're going to start doing this, I need to get multiple versions, like a rock version and a classical version and like all these Jeopardy songs. Yes. Okay, new so one. New yes. One old one new, in yeah. the family. Okay. Then just kill the old one. He can't decide to keep the old one. You've initiated the move. That's where he is moving to. That's what you need to do. And don't try to do the old one. Oh, no, no, no. It's the other way around, man. New one, contractor home, bad idea. No, wait, I'm thinking, wait. Sorry, John. Do new, do, do new equals the guy or an old, uh, new equals either the guy, contractor, or family member, old equals guy, contractor, or family member. We Just so we're understand. clear. We need to understand this. Who has the authority over these locations? Da, 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 da. 
contractor over both. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, guess what? You're not allowed to do either one. Right. So where's the owner and the actual business operating out of a third location? The new location that you moved to is where the owner actually will be. Verify that. Forget I just said it was contractor for both. So that's where yeah. we're confused. Yeah, he's saying contractor is the old. So so basically, okay, so new location. So basically, yes, put in the postcard for the new location, which you just moved and forget about it. You can't have a second. That's I mean, you could, but you'd be really violating the rules and you're going to put effort into something that's going to get suspended anyway. So, yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's the answer. Okay, cool. And everybody else that's listening to pop into chat really quick and let us know if you like this uh, kind of off the cuff. Hey, we're going to dig in a little deeper on some of these for the people that are actually here. Uh, you guys may dig it and go, yeah, this is really cool. It gives us insight. Or you may go, eh, I don't really like it. Let's not do it. Okay, everybody's saying so far they like it. So dig maybe, it, love it, like it. Maybe we yes. should format a bit and we do a a little bit of the pre-prepped questions, a little bit of the live questions, and we save a good 10 to 15 minutes to do the live dig-ins. Yep. That'd be fun. That sounds like fun. Sounds like a good idea. All right. And we've got time for one more. Which Probably. I think this one's your turn because you just asked me that one. So this one's Bonnie's question that you were going to ask me. All right. Bonnie is a local service area garage door business working on fighting really bad Google Maps spam. If oh, business- really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. No, wait, there's spam in garage doors. No. Uh, if a, uh, if a, uh, right. uh, hey, wait, we should ask Barry if spam in Google Maps for garage door is a new thing or an old thing. Really? Nope. It's not new. Yep, I knew it. Uh, uh, if a business does not have an address listed, is the best way to show proof of fraud or legions to take screenshots of the Secretary of State website and contractor state license board pages showing no such business exists? Oh, Stephen, I just fixed your problem. Okay. So you can show links to the Secretary of State, yes. You can show the licensing information, yes. Um, I would say that if you want to, of course, consult with the lawyer first, you could always call them and see how they answer the phone too. So call them, you know, not necessarily recording it, but uh, definitely call them and just say, you know, hi, who is your company? And they'll usually answer, you know, garage door service or something like that. Um, that's one another way you can do it. Um, but it's really difficult with with garage door companies because mostly they set themselves up as service area based businesses. Now, if they're showing an address and they're actually in a Kmart, you know, or a gas station or something like that, um, then you can go ahead and you can provide the proof of no signage as well, and that'll help you too. That's the basics of it. And that is it for time for this week. So thanks for all the questions. And Ben will copy down all of the rest of the questions that got asked by like Jeffrey, Jeffrey and Andrea and Max and Trisha and anonymous is back a couple of times. So yeah, uh, everybody uh, will write those questions down and keep them and add them to the list to get to them in the section next time where we're doing the pre-asked questions. But for now, that's it. Yep, just, just grabbing some stuff really quick before we close out. So we hope you guys enjoyed it. And we didn't plan on the new format of doing the deeper dive into those couple, but I'm glad y'all dug it. It was fun for us too. So I think we'll yeah. keep doing that in the future. I think so too. All right, cool. Thanks everybody. Uh, thank you Cox for not shutting us down today. Internet wise. We appreciate that. Yeah, it actually worked. I know. Right. I was like, really, really. Let's, let's give some applause to your internet. All right. So thanks everybody. Have a fantastic weekend. You too, buddy. Have an awesome weekend. Have a great freaking trip. Be safe out there. 
So we're Greg and I are going to be in Vegas actually almost at the same time. We're going to miss each other like by a couple days. <laughs> so, but everybody have a good one. Thanks for coming. And uh, by the way, Greg, we, we actually maxed out on numbers today uh, as wow. far as attendees. It was our highest attended webinar. So thank you all, by the way. Boom, the word's getting out. Yes. All right. Sounds good. Thanks everyone. Bye.